Marjana Trivanandasya, Jana Jana Salakaya, Chakshur Melitanyena, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Vanchakop Dubias Cha, Kripas in the Beaver Cha, Patitanam Pavanebio, Vaishnavidu Namaha. Good evening, everyone. We are going to continue the discussion about the removal of obstacles as given by Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his Krishna Samhita wherein he equates symbolically uh, the various uh, killing of the demons by Krishna and Raj which are referred to as uh, occasional pastimes as opposed to daily pastimes so the Lord has his daily eightfold unfoldment of his Leela on a regular basis and then occasionally he manifests that Leela within the material realm in order to attract his uh, intimate devotees who have made a determination that this is really not the place to be so he's giving some facility and manifesting uh, these occasional pastimes um, and we learn from the great sadhus in our sampradaya that generally speaking as a general rule for someone who is aspiring to enter into the Lord's personal association in eternity as a general rule their last material birth is a birth that affords them the opportunity to personally engage in the Lord's Leela in Vraj Bhumi Bhumi being the material plane so Vraj Bhumi is that place where these occasional occurrences of disruption to Krishna's routine take place well, nothing can really disrupt Krishna's routine but still for those that are in that are familiar with both his daily pastimes in um, Galoka and his occasional pastimes in the material realm um, it appears to be a disruption to that meditation. Now we find in Krishna Samhita, Bhaktivinoda Thakur talks a lot about throughout the book, and particularly before and after uh, his discussion of this symbology of the demons about natural samadhi, entering into natural samadhi. He makes it quite clear that it is not an artificial imposition uh, as some other samadhis would be experienced by us. Like a samadhi wherein, he, t he brings this out, he mentions uh, Sankhya. The Sankhya philosophy would, would give us an opportunity to meditate upon um, the material creation and how it manifests first there's some sound and the sound has to come through a, through so there's ether and the ether is able to carry sound and from ether we have the air and then we have fire and then these then the living entity senses come into play and are developed around those different material elements so going backwards, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego. So the yogi can meditate on that, but that's not the kind of meditation and the kind of samadhi 
that Bhakti Vinod speaks about in Krishna Samhita. Krishna Samhita speaks about that samadhi which is arrived at naturally through a natural and he speaks about wherein the mind is pushed aside. It's, it's a natural. We enter, we enter into it naturally uh, as opposed to artificially. Uh, our spiritual master A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada always mentioned that Krishna consciousness is not an artificial imposition on the mind. So there's a lot a lot in that statement. A lot in that statement. Not an artificial imposition on the mind. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he looks at these demons, and if we look at these demons through his eyes, through his Shastra, Krishna Samhita, uh, we see that these demons are primarily dealing with mental attitudes more than physical difficulties, sensual difficulties, um, because they're obst- obstacles to our entering into deep transcendental samadhi. So he mentions in the particular chapter where these obstacles are given that this book, Krishna Samhita, is not for the Kanista Adhikari. This is for the Madhyama Adhikari. The Kanista is still working under regulation to bring the senses under control. The Madhyam has the senses to some extent controlled. Generally when we look at the Madhyam Adhikari, he has, he's, he has certain characteristics. He has developed some fine discrimination. He has developed uh, the ability to, to properly uh, perceive what's the best opportunity for him in the material environment for spiritual advancement. He's able to make a determine of who is Krishna and what is his various energies. Who are the devotees that are favorable? Who are the innocent that are innocent? They have no bias against or for spirituality and the absolute truth and therefore Krishna himself and he sees those that are inimical that have made some some they've drawn a line in the sand and say I'm on this line and there's either nothing over there or if there is something over there I don't want anything to do with it so they're agnostics they're they're the, the, the agnostic or the atheist Class. So the Majum has developed this discrimination. He knows how to choose good company and he knows how to encourage those that haven't made a choice between what is good and what is bad company, how to ma- help them make the choice of which side of the line to go on to. So he has this outreach tendency out of gratitude. He is starting to recognize how amazing is his spiritual prospect. Or there's also another specific Madhyamadhikari who's really a pseudo-Madhyamadhikari. He's pretending to be a Madhyamadhikari, but he's really an Uttama. So he's He's coming down and he's acting like he's a Madhyamadhikari, but he's really an Uttama Adhikari out of generosity, out of mercy. So he's he's not, we, we would not call him a Madhyamadhikari. Uh, 
but he makes the discriminations. Generally, the Uttama Adhikari is in the Samadhi that Bhaktivinoda's talking about to such an extent that there's no obstructions and he doesn't, he doesn't discriminate because one of the specific characteristics of that Uttama Adhikari stage is a humility which is beyond our comprehension. A humility that's so deep that the devotee cannot see himself as equal to or greater than any other living entity. If there's anything in me, that's that I'm the lowest. I'm well, he truly embodies Lord Chaitanya's third verse of the Shastika. Tunada pi sunichena. So let us focus on the purpose of this evening's class and look at these demons. I think we made it through about nine or ten last time. Uh, we'll go quickly up to where we left off last time. So we have Putana, the first, representative of the false guru. Uh, Trinavarta, the whirlwind demon, representative of the uh, baggage of false and argumentative ideas that swirl in our mind before we get true sambandha gyan we're, we're, we're in a whirlwind of, of, of ideals of what spiritual life is and what it should be and what's right and what's wrong so we're bringing that all with us the third demon, Sakata the cart demon is similar to Trinavarta but the cart demon is those religious conceptions we bring to spiritual practice. We feel, and it justifiably so, that spirituality is so much, so far away from where I am. The level of materialistic thought, desire, passion, greed, anger, lust, the, it's an unlending list. So the, the Sadiq is coming to spiritual life. He's thinking, I've got to... There, there's a lot of, of religious practices that I'm going to have to take up in order to pursue spirituality. In order to purify myself. Now when we say religious practices then we come to a religious orientation as opposed to a spiritual orientation. A religious orientation being a an orientation wherein we, due to our conditioning, look at our endeavor as something that we have to carry instead of accepting the merciful position if we can just render service and stay in good association that will be more beneficial for us spiritually than all the austerities, charity uh, sacrifices that we could do in hundreds of lifetimes association is that important to spirituality hearing from the pure devotee who's situated properly is more important than all the religious dogma and ritual that we could ever take on. But we come with the cart and we think we have to take on all this religious practice. Really, spirituality is pretty simple. Bhagavatam makes it very simple. Nine items are stressed. Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam Bhattasevanam. Uh, 
Rupa Goswami expands that a little bit in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu to 64 items that are favorable for devotional practice. And Lord Chaitanya pairs it back down to five. Chaitanya as, as coming through Krishna Das Kaviraj and Tetyani Charitamrita. So, these practices, living in, in, uh, in Vrindavan, chanting, associating with the devotees. So these practices are the practices of pure devotional service, but we come with a cart of religious dogma and think that those are actually what needs to be done. Whereas it's simply a burden to our spiritual life. It doesn't mean the devotees are not moral. It doesn't mean that they don't proper follow proper conduct. But it means that that's not the be-all and end-all of what they understand to be most beneficial for spiritual life. Sakata, this cart demon. Vatsasura. Um... Hiding as a calf amongst the other calves uh, with the objective of uh, the objective of stealing away uh, Krishna's, Krishna's dirmos. So, Batsasura, uh, Bhaktivano explains that as juvenile offense. Juvenile offense explains as that natural tendency we have within the world of senses to enjoy the senses. So, that's an obstacle um, that we have this this juvenile nature to try to exploit whatever we can get our hands on. And spiritual life, hopefully we can quickly dissipate this obstacle and grow up. Bakasura is pointed out to be cheating religion of sectarian formalities and pseudo-renunciation. Again, we see when we look at all these obstacles which are represented by the various demons Krishna killed off, uh, they have more to do with our attitude towards spiritual life, having the proper attitude. They deal primarily with having proper sambandagyan. If we can have proper sambandagyan, we can move forward easily. But if we do not have sufficient guidance, if we do not engage in the practice with a depth of sincerity that calls advancement, then that's, that's difficult for us. So, Bakasura, cheating religion or sectarian formalities, um, acceptance of bogus gurus, Bhaktivedanta mentions, in order to attain quick results. Come to me, I'll make you Babaji. You sit, you chant 64 rounds here at Radhakund, and after two weeks you run off. What the, f- you know, it's just you're not, you're not there, you haven't got Ruchi. How can you chant continually 24 hours a day until the taste for the holy name overwhelms you? So, this kind of, of cheating mentality if we just go step by step through the gradual process as Rupa Goswami outlines now shradatata sadhu sangotha bhajanakriya that's our program and if we were at Anartha Nivriti well then let's work through Anartha Nivriti when the offenses are no longer interfering and we make Nista there are characteristics of Nista that we will know I'm at Nista now I'm coming to Nista Nista, what are five major obstacles? If I still have problems with the fact that during my bhajan, I still have a tendency to sleep. I still have a tendency. A tendency to 
to let the prajapa of the world enter into my mind during bhajan, I'm not at nista yet. I'm working on it. I'm going in the right direction, but I'm not there yet. How can I go and expect to be at Ruchi where I can chant unlimitedly while this thing is still there with me? It can't happen. Or I lack enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, the third item. It comes and goes. Sometimes I can chant with enthusiasm. Even when I'm not falling asleep and even when my mind is not engaged in, in mental uh, trying to pull me into the to the to the mindset of the materialist. Still, even when those two things aren't disturbing my bhajan, I have a tendency to to just lose interest. I don't have enthusiasm. Or in bhajan, still once in a while, there's some greed, there's some lust, there's some anger. These things come into my practice. And the fat last one is, I still, although in, whenever there is an opportunity to engage in material enjoyment, I will take advantage of it. So as long as these five major obstacles to Nista Bhajana Kriya are there, then I'm not at Nista. What to speak of the six obstacles that Vishwanath Chakravarti speaks about the six stages, the six symptoms of unsteady devotional practice. Initial enthusiasm, running hot, running cold, parading possibilities. All this knowledge is there. All this is indicative of Anista Bhajana Kriya. So, Anartha Navriti, that's the stage. Anista Bhajana Kriya, Anartha Navriti. The Anarthas are still standing in our way. So, as soon as that's there, we're not, then don't we shouldn't cheat ourselves. <laughs> Let's not run off to Vrindavan and try to chant, you know, 24 7 and think that it's going to work. It's probably not going to work. It's probably going to be a little bit of a. a, a it's like taking too much medicine before your body's mended enough. Agasura personifies cruelty, violence, intolerance of others. You just can't, you can't accept the fact that other devotees are making progress and you aren't. They fall at their feet. Maybe it'll rub off. Instead of saying, oh, why, why him, not me? No, this cruelty, this, uh, these kind of sentiments are, are the mentalities that Bhaktivinoda's pointing out. So, cruelty, intolerance, to the point of violence, lacking compassion, is the characteristic we're speaking about here. Lacking compassion, lacking empathy. All those things that stand. The, the trait of the pure devotee, and I'll quote from Bhaktivinoda, the basic, basic compassion for all living entities and devotional for Krishna is the same. That speaks volumes. Brahma Vimohan Leela? Mm, maybe I am God. Let me use my mystic powers. Uh, basically being attracted to the flowery words of the Vedas. Still thinking, well, maybe I do need to do that Asamata sacrifice. Maybe I do need to follow a codice we kind of dwelled on that, that following of a codice for the material benefit of it, instead of just because Lord Chaitanya said to do it. I want to please Lord Chaitanya, I'm going to follow a codice. No, you'll get, uh, you know, so many lifetimes of this, and so much never be hurt in this way, and live this long, and no. So, Brahma Vimohan Leela represents this 
tendency. Denukasura, the first demon that was killed by Balaram. A lot said there by Bhaktivedanta in relationship to Denukasura. Um, having a mentality that if I can't taste the fruit of spiritual spirituality, no one can. And actually having a maliciousness in that to such an extent that trying to stop other devotees from advancing in their service. Just don't let them taste the fruit. They shouldn't read these books. Just these books. They aren't ready for those books. It's a foolish notion because Krishna's guiding all of his devotees as their taste develops. But the Dedekasuras of the world, they have some some ideal that they need to control the situation and and they have some some so we can't take up that kind of a mentality. If we see some other devotee is more advanced and more I mean I go on, on uh, social media and see some young devotees just pouring out their hearts and what they're writing and their their sense of what is devotional service and what is Raganuga Bhakti is lifetimes ahead of where I am. And they're just a 20, 30 year old boy. I'm about to die. I have no sense, but this devotee is already, he's already assimilated the knowledge I'm just, just on the cusp of trying to get some comprehension of. Dinukasura, Dinukasura means I want to inhibit his advancement. We don't want to take that mentality. That's an obstacle to our advancement, not to his. <clears throat> Aristosura, the bull. Um, false religion created by pretenders. There's some strong-hearted determination required for us to make advancement weak-hearted approach to spiritual life. And when I say that, I don't want to be misunderstood here. Krishna consciousness has to be taken in a way that we can advance progressively, but not fanatically and not in a way that actually ends up making us an becomes a neurosis. We become neurotic. Oh, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to do this today. I've got to do all this, and I couldn't do that. Oh my gosh, my spiritual life's ruined. I might as well just die. Let me kill myself. This is not the attitude of our spiritual practice. Our spiritual practice is, and it is for this Krishna consciousness is for intelligent men and women, intelligent people who knows how to use their discrimination to advance according to their capacity. Not to become too lax, but not to take on more than they can handle reasonably. Aristosura is that person that is a little weak-hearted and therefore abandons the proper path of religious practice. And he takes a perverted path of his own concoction. what we would call and what Bhakti Vinod Thakur calls show bottle devotees. It's an obstacle for us. We don't want to become that. Be honest. Be pretty straightforward. That if we do that, devotees will show us compassion. They will extend their mercy to us and will really advance. We're going to advance by being sincere, honest, and straightforward about who and what we are in this devotional life. Then a hand will come to help us. But if we stand up and, and, and sing the praises of our spiritual acumen, this is, this is a fool's proposition. Kaliya, many-headed serpent, Bhakti Vinod 
points out, malice, brutality, treachery, counsel to devotees against Krishna. He says specifically, deceit and cruelty are as poison to the loving nature of the denizens of Braj. Then he points the readers of his Krishna Samhita to an appendix, wherein he has a whole article regarding the Kaliya pastime. And we'll go over a couple of points that he brings up there. If I can find it. All right. Okay, the Serpent Kaliya, Appendix C, Krishna Samhita, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He brings out so many things, but he tries to give the reader, tries to give us a sense of what it is, that, that what is the inner meaning of this pastime. I mean, something he, he, he had to have meditated on for an extended period of time. What do these different killings of the demons, what do they represent? What am I to learn from these? So he, he brings out that this Kaliya is, his cruelty is there, but his his article deals more with why does Krishna let people like Kaliya kill his associates? Because that's what Kaliya did. The cowherd boys, they went to the lake and they immediately died. Krishna rushed there and brought them back to life. And then he entered the lake to sport. So he says here, Kaliya and those who are actuated by a naturally malicious disposition. They have a disposition of malice towards Krishna and towards Krishna's devotee. Are also also styled clever. They have thousands of hoods wherein they're, they're poised to attack the spiritual practice, the spiritual... They have their, they have great arguments. They they cannot. They have this cruelty, this maliciousness, wherein they just they they do not. They cannot stand spiritual life. Like scientists are styled clever in the ordinary phaseology of this damned world. The world looks up to the Kaliyas because they're completely supporting their materialism, like you just said, the scientists, the scholars, the great philosophers. So these are the Kaliyas who they're out to get the devotees. And Bhaktivinoda says here, he says, it's very difficult to understand this because it appears Krishna permit, permits what he is, permits. permits almost every form of offense to be perpetrated with impunity against his most beloved ones. Pallad Maharaj, what was he spared? Why does Krishna do this repeatedly with his devotees? Whether it be 
Their father's trying to kill them, and they're, they're being beaten in uh, the marketplaces to death step. So this is where Krishna really comes up to dance. He dances on the fame of his devotees. He wants them to be famous because they stand up to this with, with the mood of the Vraj Bhaktis. They have no malice in their heart, so there's no retaliatory, there's nothing in them that is not, but this has to be something that's coming of my own accord. I have, I, this is, this is coming, this is, this is my cross to bear, so to speak. Or like Jesus, he bore, bore, the, bore the cross. This is my cross to bear. So the devotees have this mentality, and Krishna seems to let them get beaten down by all these multi-hooded serpents just to show the glories of his devotees. And then Krishna is so kind, he defeats those that are trying to defeat his devotees. And in doing that, treats them in a most compassionate and merciful manner. His own mercy comes to them, like Kaliya. Kaliya wasn't killed. Kaliya was just sent away with a benediction. You can go back to where you came from and you're not going to be harmed anymore. You're not going to have to run. Garud is not going to, he's going to see my footprints on your hoods and he's going to say, okay, you're my friend. If my Lord trounced on your head, then you must be some very special personality. There's no lunch here for me today. He closes out this in a very interesting way. Really just, again, like we, in the same way that the commentators, the sadhus, really say, how is it possible that Patana got the benediction she got? He also brings out with Kaliya. He says, the mercy shown to Kaliya is so obviously and disproportionately great in its magnitude in face of the extreme gravity of this of his offense that no rationalistic explanation can do justice to its full benef beneficent significance. Now we can see where Bhakti Siddhanta got some of his right. Yes. They're entered into the thing. But he does point out one thing in this article. Such people that show this much malice to, and even that they become Krishna's devotee with his feet on their heads, that malice to Krishna's most intimate associates bars them they are eternally barred from the service of Krishna in Vraj. Let us never come near that level of maliciousness. Vaishnava Bharat is our worst enemy in this regard. <clears throat> the forest fire is representative of sectarianism non-acceptance of Vaishnavs outside of your own Vaishnav group your own Sangha uh, trying to create discord based on that sentimentality and sectarian mentality 
Palumbasura. Uh, a false being a false. Uh, Gopa sneaking in there and acting like just one of the boys when really you have some other intent. Uh, Bhakti says in that regard, putting up a sham of devotion while secretly maintaining lust for women, wealth, honor, and position. Such hypocrisy must be given up. Again, it's important to note that Purlambasura was uh, killed by Balaram. Bhaktivedo points out that both um, Denakasura and Purlambasura, who were both killed by Balaram, take some real effort on our part as sadikas to eliminate the obstacles that they represent. So this falsity, while maintaining a material desire, strong material desire, without a desire to give it up. And I think that's important to make note of. It's not that material... We may still have tendencies, some scars, desires, lust, anger, all these things may still be there, but if we still maintain, if we don't develop an attitude of wanting to give them up, that's what we're talking about with Perlumbasura. It's not that they may not get the better of us from time to time during our devotional practice. But maintaining an attitude wherein, oh, maybe I don't have to give them up. Maybe I can. It, you can see where that goes. It becomes an operad, correct. It becomes an operad. Uh, as we spoke when we spoke about maintaining the material desires. Yeah, committing sinful. Just like the seva operads. The seva operads. They're generally not a problem until you, until you until you consciously are negligent in your worship of the deity. Not that you make some mistake, because if you knew all the rules and regulations of Arjuna, the Archana path, you, you, uh, you'd faint. So, Pralambasura. Indra, so the whole Govardhan, lifting of Govardhan Hill and Indra coming and not being properly worshipped by the residents of Braj. Uh, Bhaktivedo mentions that this is representative of uh, a desire maybe we have some latent desire to do some worship of the demigods and and get some fruit from that uh, worship of minor gods for minor uh, if you want something just ask Krishna if it's good for you we'll give it to you if it's not good for you then don't hold it against him he's looking out for your best interest definitely don't go elsewhere so that's what this is referring to an obstacle wherein we think we can go elsewhere Vomasura uh, association with fools and rascals association with uh, uh, false Vishnu's who are simply out to take advantage, cheat and steal from others. Uh, I can't think of much of that, which is not much of it in our culture, that people come and say, I'm, uh, I'm God. Who was it, though, during Krishna's pastime? 
Pandraka, claimed to be Krishna. Was that his name? Well, false signs. Yeah, right. Anyway, so that's Vomasura, disguising himself, somebody disguising himself with Vishnu, and allowing yourself to fall for it, I think is the way you'd look at it. You know, you're, you're associating with sadhus who are telling you these are the characteristics, and along comes a Vomasura who looks you know, like a cowherd boy, you know, and really he's just there to what? Ride on the shoulders of the other cowherd boys and drag them away or carry them away when they're on his shoulders. So, um, Where's that? The cops and robbers. They were stealing them. Yeah, but the winners would have to carry the others, the losers, on their shoulders. Varuna, the kidnapper of Nanda, is thinking that it's okay during your spiritual practice to help it along. A little wine, make me feel a little more spiritual, maybe a peyote button, you know, maybe a little ganja, I can, can really get into the kirtan then. Uh, this is just, uh, this is another uh, obstacle that we have to be careful of. Uh, uh, trying taking intoxicants. Trying to yeah, trying to you know embellish your spiritual mood. Is uh, Bhaktivedanta uses the word enhance your spirituality. Uh-huh. Sakachuda kidnapping of the gopis uh, we come back to Pratista from your devotional practice you want to gain name and fame so much so that you can kidnap the gopis um then we have the snake that swallowed Nanda Maharaj. This feeling when we enter, and here again, I can only go theoretically here, but as we enter into samadhi, uh, there's a sense of true tranquility there. Bhaktivedanta says, if we have a sense of merging with the Lord, because we're separating our senses from the external world, we're turning them off, we're turning off the mind, we're entering into, we're trying to enter into a serving mentality in bhajan, where we can enter into Krishna's leela with that mentality. But if we let the sense of tranquility that comes with that deep meditation overcome us and feel that it's okay to merge in the presence of the Lord, merge feeling, you know what I'm saying? Feeling some sense of relief and, and thinking this is, this is, no, our, our sense has to be, all, we want to enter into service to the Rigatmikas. That's Raganuga Bhakti. So if we get if we get a little content with Brahmati, Paramatmati, you know, without the service to Bhagavaniti, then that's what's being referred to here in the snake swallowing Nanda Maharaj. Keshi, the horse, um, cooking up our heels and thinking our devotional service is so much better than everybody else's. Obstacle. Not good for our spiritual progress. Ah, look, I'm so... I have so, so much... So, I know so many verses. Whatever, whatever we may think where we're thinking that 
I have a sense of superiority because of the level of my devotional practice or the expertise of my practice. This is not a mentality that's favorable to spiritual advancement. It's an obstacle, and this is what Keishi represents. These are the 18 obstacles represented by the demons that entered into Vraj Bhumi to create havoc. Bhaktivinoda adds two more pastimes in Vraj for a total of 20. The one is the falling of the twin Arjuna trees, Nalakuvara and Manigriva. He says if we have an arrogance about our wealth and our good position, that's not going to be good for us. And the arrogance of the Brahmanas performing the sacrifice, thinking that we have such a good position because of our spiritual position in society. From the Western world, we're not plagued too much with this one. But in the culture of India, the Brahmins definitely feel they have one up on everybody else. So that's not a good mentality for spiritual advancement. It's fact that they're supposed to be the leaders, and it's great that they were given such an auspicious birth, which is so conducive for spiritual advancement. But to become arrogant over that is not to call your spiritual progress. So with that, we've covered the 20 obstacles that Bhaktivedanta spoken of in Krishna Samhita. Are there any questions? Thank you so much for your association. Hare Krishna.